Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the EG Property Podcast with me, EG Editor Sam McCrary. In this episode, I'm sitting down with JLL UK Chief Executive Stephanie Hyde and Global Head of Sustainability Services and ESG, Guy Granger, to reflect on two weeks of COP26. Both relocated to Glasgow for the full duration of the event, attending numerous discussions to make sure they were learning more about exactly what real estate can and needs to do to ensure that it plays its very important role in helping to solve the climate challenge. In this 20-minute discussion, they share invaluable insights from COP26, what has inspired them most, and why now is no longer the time for pledges and goal-setting, but for real and thoughtful action. Enjoy. Stephanie Guy, we are here, well, you guys have been here at COP for pretty much the two, the two weeks. Yeah. Um, it's... It's been busy. Um, we've heard lots about it in the national press. We've done a bit of it in um, in the trade press as well. But I'm really keen to hear from from you, having been absolutely in it. What your big takeaways from from these two weeks of talks, of presentations, of demonstrations uh, have been? So I guess three observations for me. The first being um, it's been amazing to hear the real life stories of the impact that climate change is having. I thought I knew the context that we were operating in, but hearing from people in the South Pacific and what they're seeing, the changes to their lives, even hearing you know, the, the story yesterday around, um, there was a comment about, does America get it? And uh, hearing from John Kerry, he said, yes, if you're in Texas and in five days you had as much rain as uh, the water that goes over Niagara Falls in a year, you get the message, and Mother Nature is going to make sure that people are. And, and so seeing that impact firsthand has been really powerful. Second thing would be business has got such an important role to play and is leading the way. Uh, the ideas, the innovation, the sharing, the collaboration that's coming out of these discussions is amazing, and we have such an important role to play. And particularly, thirdly, the built environment. You know, given the built environment generates 40% of carbon, we have to get on with it. Um, people recognise that much more and many of the conversations that we've had has come to the fore. Yeah, and from my perspective, I think there's been a real shift from target setting, which is definitely yesterday's news. So if you are setting targets at the moment or signing up to targets, right, you've missed the boat. Um, It's all about action. And what's been really interesting being present in Glasgow is the presence of youth action. Um, you know, a lot of people have less, left Glasgow, so it's basically people going to COP and the youth activists who are here. And so they're noisy, um, but it's been well organised. Okay, it has not been violent, which is very unusual for protests these days. And I tell you, when we're inside speaking to the leaders, whether it's business or government, they are listening. They're very respectful of that protest. They know that the youth is a movement which is basically saying one thing. You are not going quick enough. And we've heard from quite a few youth activists at the events that we've been going to, because they've they've actually been given the platform as well. And what's really interesting is they're saying, you know, you're making lots of promises to business, to government. You're giving us lots of numbers. Tell us what you're doing. And I think that's a real takeaway for us in the real estate industry, is show us some real examples of what we are doing now. Not what we will do, but what we're doing. So Lots of investors doing audits out there, lots of people measuring, lots of people setting targets. 
for us in the real estate industry, and hopefully JLL can be an advocate for this, we want to be part of the action that's taking place. And has there been any examples of that that doing here? Is there anyone, apart from JLL, obviously, <laughs> who is uh, pioneering in, yeah, the, in the action? I would really point people towards um, the uh, Built Environment Virtual Pavilion, uh, which UKGBC launched, but it's not a UK thing. There's lots of world examples, and there they're giving real examples of buildings around the world or um, nature-based solutions, um, anything to do with real assets, effectively, uh, whether it's in housing, whether it's repurposing, uh, whether it is circularity. They're real examples of things that have happened. And these need to be scaled up. So this exists. Uh, pioneers are doing it. There are no excuses. There are sometimes cost barriers. So coming back to the youth movement saying go quicker, if you go quicker, it can cost more. But there is a time for action and it's now. And every year you put off these costs, all it does is sort of add up to more effectively in terms of total impact. And there's not a shortage of cash in the world, is there? There's plenty of in investment out there. I suppose it's just directing it to the, to the right places. The imbalance is in supply and demand. If you look at the stated commitment um, in terms of all the people saying we're going to go green and we're going to reach net zero, amazing. It's all a 1.2 trillion of dollars of assets, right? Um, you look in Glasgow, we're here today, we spoke about this last week, two buildings that reach net zero. So actually the statement is that every building is brown, pretty much. It's just what shade of brown it is. And I know a lot of investors are looking at that and they're starting to think about how they build that into their portfolios, into the way they incentivize people. I think this is going to move pretty quickly now because um, the commitments of hundreds of millions into green financing is going to mean people are going to have to think differently about where they're putting their money and pricing will change. Not clear exactly when, but it's going to happen. Yeah, and I think it will happen quicker than people anticipate. Uh, I think what's interesting is that the way we have measured return on investment or return on capital investment has not changed over decades and decades, right? It's a linear model. It's income that's capitalised, right? Now, when you throw in an environmental impact and a social impact, they are new criteria right, that have to be costed up and have to be measured in terms of total impact. That is a new way of looking at return on sustainability. And in that respect, I think investors are just getting their head around it. Okay, mm -hmm. what does it mean? How do I justify it? And how do I go that extra mile in terms of cost? Not to get a, a, a LEED certified or well certified, but to get to a net zero carbon, which actually costs a bit more in the short term. And that's something that everybody is digesting and some businesses will go faster than others. And, then, and Stephanie, you actually talked about the, the need for the businesses being here and collaborating, and that's something that is absolutely essential if we want to get there yes. quicker and actually do, not just talk about it, isn't it? Yeah, and it's been great to be here and see that collaboration actually happening. I think the conversation's moved on pretty rapidly over the couple of weeks, and um, it, it just it, it, it's actually been so amazing to be part of because I, I'm relatively new to the industry, I've seen the conversation move over the time that I've been in the industry, but again, it's accelerated because just there's an opportunity to share ideas, to build connections, and everybody realises this is so big, you can't do it alone. We've got to come together as an industry to sort it. If we don't, we will be looked at in a very different way to how we're trying to be looked at.
And, you know, for Stephanie and I, we both committed to be here for a full two weeks, yeah. right? I mean, we could work while we're here, right? It's a mobile uh, working environment that we're in. Uh, but um, that was because we were new to COP, uh, both individually and uh, professionally. We've both been to Davos in the past, so we know what these uh, events are like. But Davos is a three-day event. This is a two-week event. And actually, the first week... Um, I would say it's very uh, industry-wide, but not built environment specific. As it built up to Cities and Built Environment Day, which is on Thursday of the second week, more and more of the noise built around cities and the role of buildings and real assets. But in the first week, uh, most of our time for Stephanie and I was attending events for other industries. And that's great because you get to see what other industries are doing and you see ideas that could be related to ours. But more importantly, you get to see how much R&D is going into other industries and how lacking the R&D is in the built environment. And honestly, that's a problem for us. We're not investing in it. It doesn't, still doesn't fit into that return on investment model. How much are we allocating to R&D? Very little. But with a thousand cities committing to go to net zero, a thousand cities... It's going to come because people can't get away with greenwashing. We can't get away with these statements. It's going to come very quickly now. Especially with the, that youth who yeah. are asking, okay, well, what is it that you're doing? Not not just letting someone put out a nice press release um, saying we're, we're net zero carbon when really when you look beneath the, yeah. the, the covers there. 100,000 people on the streets. It was pretty, pretty impressive this weekend, actually. It was. And actually, you know, I think the leaders respect the way this protest has happened. It's been noisy, it's been loud, it's been angry, very angry, but it's been peaceful, largely. And it's, yeah, we talk about the youth action, whole families have been out, right? I mean, let, let's, mm-hmm. uh, and, and yeah, what you realize when you're sitting around a table of leaders is their fathers, mums, their uncles, aunts, right? So. They're not just feeling it from youth activists, they're feeling it at home as well. And I heard you know, several businesses saying, um, I am interested in what happens on my watch. And my watch is the next two to five years. So that leads me to think that far more short-term measures are being put in place, which is what this is, needs. You know, 2050 is a long way away, and we need stuff to happen this decade. And do you think... The, the fact that there are so many young people here and young people making no, make, being noisy but not making noise, you know, it's, it's um, informed and, and purposeful um, noisiness. Is that an opportunity for our sector as well to start saying, hey, well, if you want to make a change, if you want action to happen in, in, you know, in the climate challenge, actually, you could come to real estate and do that. You know, we are a sector that has the opportunity to act not just talk yeah definitely i think more importantly let's involve these young people i don't know how we define young by the way but uh in the boardroom discussions there was a lot of talk around that and we saw evidence from uh, some um, cultures geographies where i met a 23 year old yesterday who's writing the environment policy for honduras (laughs) right so they've been sort of actually engaged by the government there to come in and help write the policy, and it's 23. And I thought, that, that's visionary, right? How many businesses are actually letting young people into those decision-making uh, 
rooms, right? Not just to take notes, but to actually get involved and being given the space to get involved in decisions. And that's a big takeaway for us at JLL as well. You know, we do have lots of ways to interact, but it's, you know, we need to get better at that type of thing. I would also say, though, the young people is a big part of this, but the economies of the world are well capitalized at the moment. The governments are not. They're in deep, deep debt. But the businesses are well capitalized, which is why the businesses have the ability to make a difference now. So I think that's a key takeaway for nearly all business leaders is we're actually in a better position than many governments. We do need a regulatory framework. We do need some consistency. But actually, the excuses are running out for business. But to your point, Sam, this is an industry where people can make a difference quickly. The technology is largely there to start on this journey to get us way down the road. And it's such a critical piece. We often talk about air travel, we talk about cows and how much they produce, you know, all of these different pieces of carbon. The built environment, the impact is huge. And so this is a place where people can make a difference quickly. Absolutely. And and you both talked about you've taken the time out to be here for two two weeks. Mm. You know, there there are people from real estate here. Are there enough people from real estate here and do do we need to encourage everyone to come and learn, even if it's not about their own industry, it's about you know the other industries and what they're doing? We've had some great conversations and we've met so many people in the industry, but the benefit has been mixing across industries as well and trying to help people understand that as part of their journey to net zero, the built environment is a big part of that. Um, often I think people are thinking a little bit more strategically around their consumers. Um, so it's been great to have that conversation, but bluntly, no, we should have had more people here. And we, it's noticeable who's here and who's not here. Mm. Yeah. And um, I must admit, it, it's a bonding experience, honestly. It really is, because there is a lot of inspiration here. You can look in, look in from the outside and be cynical. And, you know, I went home for the weekend and I met a lot of cynical people but actually when you're here it's inspirational you are meeting people and hearing from people who are absolute geniuses and they're changing the world in a small way in a big way and honestly that's really really uplifting I came here with low expectations and I'm leaving feeling like this is possible all right we can do this and you know, that process has also been a real learning process for both of us, hasn't it, Stephanie? Yeah, I mean, definitely. the amount of stuff we've learned here the is incredible. innovation that's out there, the optimism and the facing up to the challenge, those emotions. I mean, it's, it's actually been quite an emotional event at times yeah. because hearing those real stories, realising the desperation of really where we're approaching. I mean, and as we came into COP... The planet has gone up in terms of its temperature by 1.1 degrees. That's Everybody sort of agrees on that, all the formal measurement. The prediction is it would be 4 degrees. You know, at the end of COP, it's going to be kind of hopefully half that, you know, or as we got to the ending, it depends where all the final documentation comes out over the next few weeks and whether people deliver on those commitments. So uh, for me, I think um, inspiring, uh, challenging, but leaving optimistic that we are going to find a way through this and we know we're on the right path with everything that we're trying to do in, in making a difference. Well, we know that I love an optimistic um, quote, having uh, uh, turned Patagonia's uh, um, 
uh, advert round to, to focus on that, you know, what we can do, not how screwed we all are. Um, you've both talk, talked about inspiration, so to close us off, is there one person or, or one meeting that you've had over the, the last two weeks you're like, that's the one that's done it for me? And, and it, when you get back to the office, that's the conversation you're going to talk about most. John Kerry, for me. Um, he was at Rio in 92. He's been pretty much at every COP since, um, clearly playing a critical role in the negotiations um, and just so much respect. I mean, he's he's witty, he's intelligent, he could talk about any subject and the eternal optimism he's bringing in the understanding of the challenges people have, but the belief that we can find a way through is being fundamental to helping shift what's happened here. Um, so very inspiring. Totally agree. What a, what a person. You definitely want that, that man in the room yeah. when those discussions are taking place. A true diplomat, with, but values that are jumping out as sort of pure and getting things done. For me, on the second day, I heard Paul Pullman speak, ex-Unilever boss, always been a bit of a personal hero of mine, read his book, got a great book out called Net Positive at the moment, which is all about, you know, how can you ensure that your company creates a positive impact on the world? And I take that away and say, well, how can we ensure that every building has a positive impact on the world? But honestly, he spoke to an audience of 50. We got, we got a chance to meet him afterwards. I mean, I... My, the heart was jumping out of my chest because he managed to transform a business, bring shareholders with him, bring leaders that all the management with him, and if not, change them, and just proof that it can be done. And I think that gives you confidence that leaders, individuals can make a difference. So. That's what me and Stephanie can take away from this. Then it's two weeks well spent. And many people have said they haven't got the time to come here. Well, for me, it's you know, a bit of a life-changing moment, and I'm glad I came. It's wow. the biggest challenge to our industry. It really is. It's the biggest challenge in the world, but it's the biggest challenge to our industry as well.